last Neezy news cycle, what do we got? Some more of that same shit, a different day. Looks like we got another plane missing in Southeast Asia. They don't know what the fuck happened to it. Q missing plane. Check. What else do we got? Corrupt politicians? Check. What else do we got? Police hating on Americans for standing up for their civilian rights? Check. You know what? We're not covering none of that shit. Fuck last week's Neezy News. Instead, we're gonna take a cascading look over some of the dope-ass Neezy Please shows we've been able to deliver to you in the 2014th year of this Gregorian calendar. And that's all we're really gonna do. I'm taking it easy, baby. All this is coming up next on TNPS. Washington, Biatch. we begin tonight with this. What the hell's going on for the last 2014th year, heading into the 2015th? I don't know, but I do know that I'm sick of using my voice with these stupid-ass inflections. I don't really talk like this. Like, hey, how are you doing? Like the illegitimate baby fathered by the movie phone guy. And I try to do it like that so that it's clearly obnoxious and in your fucking face or in your ears or whichever. But no, I don't talk like that. So if you was ever wondering, man, your boy be talking kind of funny. Man, that's not my normal speaking voice, homie. Okay, I talk like this all the time. And usually if you're around me, I'm laid back. And that's what this show right here is all about, ladies and gentlemen. It's about being laid back. I'm not trying for shit. I'm tired. Some motherfucker solstice and they can take a break. Okay, so instead of doing all kinds of crazy ass buck wild research to pull together these podcasts and deliver them on to you, the people, we just gonna do a flashback episode, kid. So let's start by reflecting on our pilot episode, shall we? Today I perform as Neasy Please, chronicling my experiences, my POV, my point of view growing up in Seattle, Washington, by means of music and the media. I dropped my solo debut record, Please Believe, back in 2007 under the tutelage of veteran producers Tall Homie Vitamin D and Bean Wonder. I would say the impact was a short yet considerable contribution, influencing our community of Seattle artists and moving folks away from the Lily White's light and into the sediment of dirt and grime where I feel more at home. At the time, I thought a dope record would be all it would take. I figured that if I poured enough of myself into the music, it would find a way into people's hearts. Wrong! All it really did was serve to intimidate the scrubs who run Seattle's music scene into ostracizing me further into submission due to what I've learned to identify is their innate act of fear that I might reveal to the United States of Earth that their corny old bullshit is just that. Corny. 
You know, the cool thing about doing this podcast is I've been able to kind of reveal the man behind the mic, kind of let you into my brain and some of the things that influenced me. And one of the for sure shot things that influenced me growing up was Scooby-Doo. So, you know, I had to hit up a episode about Casey Kasem when he dearly departed. I think they finally found Casey Kasem's body. He got buried in, like, Sweden or Norway or some shit. What is that? Like a, I guess you can call that a follow-up. This here is a snippet of the Neasy Please Show number 002. Yeah, let's take a listen. Casey Kasem. But in the end, it'll always harken back to that hit intro song and the shenanigans that were sure to ensue when Shaggy and his talking dog Scoob were coerced into participating after scarping down a pack of Scooby snacks and being promised another box upon fulfillment of cooperation. Shaggy inspired a ton of pop culture quotables. And in turn, Casey Kasem a Lebanese brother born in Detroit, who would later become DJ to America's Top 40 Hits, was the soul that provided Shaggy's vocal animus. Now feel free to take your pick of just a few of Casey Kasem's Norville Shaggy Rogers quotables. I won't even attempt to give an authentic Shaggy impersonation as I wouldn't be doing Mr. Kasem nearly any justice in doing so. Shaggy quotable. Open the mouth, between the gums. Look out stomach, here it comes. Classic Shaggy. I'm so scared, I wish I had a ham sandwich to calm my nerves. Swell, I'll wait here, and when you find out, send me a telegram. (laughs) Yeah, man, I can already taste those chocolate-covered hot dogs. Shaggy said that. Shaggy was known to eat some nasty shit. (laughs) Zoinks! I had to do that one. And of course... Scooby-Doo, where are you? Thank you, Casey Kasem, for all the smiles and happy ears over the years. All right, what else we got here? Looks like Pierce Morgan made the list. That motherfucker, he need to shut the fuck up about whatever black people need to do. My nigga Pierce. Episode 24 of the Neasy Please Show. Let's take a listen. What the hell's going on with present-day white guys wagging their fingers at the failures of black-skinned people? Worldwide. I don't know. But I do know y'all white guys be tripping. We want to call you redskins, but don't call yourself niggas. Please make up your mind, massa. Who's the latest numb nut to walk the line? It's the Brit immigrant by the name of Pierce Morgan. <sighs> Pierce, you, sir, are fucking up my schedule. I really don't have time to break down this type of dumbass shit for you, but since you took it upon yourself to author such a coyly blanketed article with just a dash of flip in there for good measure, topping it off with being a well under a 1,000 word opinion piece, for which to have the nerve to stab at such a completely complex construct as the word niggerwit, dude, you've messed up my weekly itinerary by forcing me to even delve into this piece at length, pushing my podcast out by at least a day, having me hip your silly head as to the subtleties of what you and yours so subversively refer to as the N-word. Cheers, mate. All right, everybody, let's welcome Pierce to the land his ancestors swiped but didn't really want to share with the home team across the pond. Welcome, Pierce. My name, Neasy, please. Welcome to country English ancestors stole. You guys, Pierce Morgan thinks niggas shouldn't say nigga no more. 
and I totally agree. So once our proud country of America formally recognizes slavery and officially apologizes for it, and not that little dumbass insulting resolution the House of Representatives had the nerve to symbolically toast to, with that rude snake oil salesman disclaimer at the bottom, that omits the right of considering pursuing any of the damages inflicted over just about 200 years or so against blacks, not including indigenous peoples at home or abroad worldwide. Pierce, my nigga, once we get that handled, we should be straight, bro. Oh, I should also make it clear, Pierce, that I in no way speak for all black people. I only speak for myself, as it turns out. That's why I only have one mouth. But as it turns out, a lot of niggas will be feeling what I have to say. Okay, some may find it heinous, some may find it inartful. Others will be like, man, that nigga's spot on. However, on the subject of the word nigga, it's complex enough a subject to leave some leeway for a caveat and nuance from any a black person's point of view. You feel me? Do what you will, but do no harm, I always say. You know, Pierce, I read your piece, and what I think you were really trying to describe, which you're not comfortable with, is African America's brazen public display of deep-seated dissidence, and it's idiomatically protested daily out of the mouths of my peoples for unanswered cries of justice here in the so-called land of the free, bro. That's what's really going on. Pierce, I'm sorry. Can I call you Pierce? Pierce, awesome. You can help heal this angry wound, please. No pun. Do allow me to help you, sir. See, Pierce, the beef is your line of reasoning makes little to no attempt at any personal social responsibility that you yourself can take on with regards to too many to count incalculable white privileges that you've got here in the great U.S. of America. Even with an accent, mate. See, you've rather conveniently outsourced the work to be done upon the very same African-American descendants who bore the brunt of white America's indifference to what I think is an abundantly <clears throat> fair point of view in telling of our experience. We say nigga in embrace of remembering a nigga's place, and that's the psychological construct that hatefully and purposefully put us in a place against our will, and it resonates especially today. And it's not the N-word, Pierce. What the fuck, America, are we two or two hundred years old? Grow up. If we were mature enough to turn blacks into chattel and sophisticated enough to practice deceit via revisionist history, then we should be grown enough to remember the term of the product because that's what America classified blacks as, niggas. Niggas was an indispensable nation-building product, and niggas is what America majored in during our great country's founding well into the Industrial Revolution, right on through the Jim Crow era, and on into today, nigga. Gotta tell you, those were some profound snippets. Let's stick around for more here on the Neasy Please Show. When we return, we're gonna do... More from this 2014th year of the Neasy Please Show doing dope ass podcasts. Holler at your boy when we return right after this break. Keep it locked right here on the Neasy Please Show. We'll be right back. www.pleasy.com. What do you say, man? I don't get it. Oh, the man. I don't get it. Check out my next project, The This or That's, a two part experimental EP, These and Those, with production by Amadot. These out on iTunes this fall. Welcome back to the Neasy Please Show. No, I don't always say shit like this. I tried to tell you that in the first part of this podcast, man. I just be doing that shit because it gets my point across. That's my broadcast voice, okay? But I really talk like this. And I don't really go over this decibel. This is this is my speaking voice. I'll tell you what. One of the dopest shows that I think I laid down this 2014 year was Thieves and Servants, episode 10 of the Neasy Please Show, where I set the record straight on your boy, really Scott's movie, what is that shit? Exodus, Gods and Kings, 
Yeah, that movie's some old bullshit. Let's take a listen. Ridley Scott's Exodus, Gods and Kings is a motherfucking monster mash of historical bastardizations, and it ain't even out yet. They got Christian Bale starring as Moses, Moses, Moses. Christian Bale did a great Batman, but I didn't know about his rendition of Black Man. They got Joe Edgerton playing Wusir Mayat Rameria Moon Ramesi Saka I Unu Third, better known as Ramses, as we like to call him out here in the West. Again, from what I'm seeing in the behind-the-scenes pics of this flick, my nigga Joe so seamlessly portrays such a strong and clear performance as an African king that once I finished swallowing the bile that crept up from my trachea as a result of the disgust of my seeing an all-white cast play African kings, princesses, and prophets, I almost totally forgot he was white. Aaron Paul's gonna play Yashua the Jew. Another white guy playing a black role. Even though it's clear from the mystic system of Western sciences we refer to as archaeology that the Canaan people from who current day Israelites are fabled to originate from were pretty much indistinguishable from their so-called Egyptian overlords and oppressors that it more or less leads to seriously unsubstantiated claims of slavery from that time. Unlike here in the United States where we have a clear record of a Native American and an African genocide. And of course we got Sigourney Weaver as Queen Mutuya daughter of King Seti I, who was, in all reality, also a black woman. But thanks to our Hollywood historical revisionists of time, she will now be portrayed as a very, very, very white lady. I'm sure Sigourney Weaver's time as the blue-skinned Navi from Avatar gave her oodles of experience to draw from acting as a minority species. Speaking of minority species, all of the lower-tier positions in society for this film were reserved for black actors. Yep, you heard me right. What type of lower-tier positions did they have in mind for which to portray us actual blacks in the motherland? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I'm gonna tell you. For example, if you were a black actor, instead of playing the historically accurate parts of the African kings, queens, and prophets, and everyday civilians of that era, your birthright as black people should ensure you with regards to maintaining some semblance of historical accuracy in Hollywood to correspond as best we are able to piece together from these biblical fables of time and the region, you could earn your friend's fancy playing the parts of an Egyptian thief. Even in Egypt, we keeps it thug life. That's right, this time when they call you in for casting, you'll be improving leather pouch snatchings, adding a little well-needed diversity to your portfolio and reel. Spice things up a bit. Or how many niggas want to ride or die playing the part of an Egyptian assassin? Or how about royal servant to the new and improved white Ramses? Think about how fucked up that is for just a moment. In this film, White Ramses is going to have a black servant manslave. Holy historical ironies, black man and robbing people of their place in history. This movie is an outright slap in the face to humanity and an outrage. But why? Why do this? Why perpetrate such egregious and bold-faced lies to the masses? I'll tell you why. That's right, I got answers. Here's Neasy Please's top three reasons why folks hate black Egyptians. All right, here we go. Reason why folks hate the idea of black Egyptians, number one, Elite scholars have built a multi-billion dollar industry in Ivy League schools educating the masses that all the philosophies and sciences stem from European contributors, and mainly European contributors, only, a la Greece. We are taught that Greece is the home of mathematics, geometry, and the Gnostics, but in reality, every great teacher that was in Greece was a student of Egypt. Herodotus, the Greek writer of the 5th century BC, claimed that the people of Colchis must be Egyptians because like them they are black-skinned and woolly-haired. This means that if Herodotus believed the Egyptians to be any other color than black, meaning African, he most likely would have chosen another Greek adjective besides meleskros, the term he chose to use to describe other people as Africans. The word meleskros 
translates to black-skinned. If Herodotus thought Egyptians were white, he would have used lekakros. If Egyptians had been simply brown, like a light-skinned African-American or Arab person of color today in America, he may have used fenikros, but Herodotus chose the word meleskros. Meleskros comes from the same root as Melanesia, the black island, or melanite, or black garnet. In this instance, the ancient Greek use of the word melas was to his point, to his exact point. Pythagoras studied in Egypt, hence the Pythagorean theorem should be called Imunhotep's theorem. Euclid of Alexandria studied in Egypt, hence from whence Greeks first learned of geometry. Socrates, father of philosophies, Egypt. My dude, the Greek philosopher Aristotle writes in the 4th century BC in the Physiognomica that the Egyptians and Ethiopians were very black. Aristotle literally studied abroad in Egypt, then he taught Alexander the Great's punk ass. So first off, we have a whitewashing of history going on. Hollywood has no incentive to correct this because, well, white people are comforted by images of their own world supremacy, even when the events achieved throughout history are not their own. I told you I'll let them have it. That's really a good episode. I would recommend motherfucking going back and listening to that shit because there's a lot of useful information in there as i breadcrumb trail foods to a worldview that might shatter your very existence bug motherfuckers straight the fuck out speaking of bugs check out this segment that we did on episode one of the Neasy please show life on the road y'all this is what you got to put up with being a musician check it out welcome back to the Neasy please show now most of you know me as your friendly neighborhood Neasy please as i've tended well in the past to making it niggity nank nank known that i utter more butter than a pallet fair scone but those of you in the world of entertainment may also know me as the obsessively compulsive clean freak that I am when it comes to hygiene of the hotel rooms we end up staying our asses at. That's right, niggas is hypochondriacs too. Time to opine on lodgings both today and yesteryear. Welcome to my next segment. Please tell me we're not staying here. Bed bugs. Now I saw an article on Wire.com dealing with bedbugs, and I thought we could stand to delve a bit deeper into hotels, motels, whatever ends you in, and hip you to some entry inspection etiquette that served me well over the years in between gigs. Pro tip number one, definitely check for any and all infestations immediately. I mean, we're talking spiders, mites, roaches, whatever, man. You got to, like, look into that shit. Like, if you see... A scuff mark on the wall. You got to go and investigate that. Go check and make sure that that scuff mark doesn't start to suddenly move. Because if it does, that means that your hotel motel holiday insect is chilling with you. All righty. That way you can report that shit to the hotel management ASAMFP. That's as soon as motherfucking possible. And get it corrected with the quickness by getting your room switched out. Or you can ask for your deposit and money back and make reservations elsewhere. Pro tip number two. I would not recommend opening windows in places that are high in humidity whatsoever. Big mistake. One time I was at a music conference in Chicago, and I was damned if I wasn't going to let in some of that Great Lake air. It was hot as hell. But instead, I got giant cockroaches everywhere, and my bags were left very much open because I was rushing, and I wasn't following pro tip number three. Don't open your bags until post-inspection because it only takes one pregnant bugger to find his way into your luggage and fuck your whole shit up. You'll be doing pests a favor by leaving your shit out. Don't roll the red carpet out for these insectoid stowaways. At least let's make them work for it. And finally, here's an extra credit pro tip from my man on the how to look for and avoid bed bugs in hotel or motel rooms. He hit me with this one off his video. Never store your luggage and shit in the hotel motel off the jump. You drop your bags in the bathtub because there ain't very many places for those buggers to hide in the powder room. Those are all real stories. I'm not playing all this shit that I'm telling you, man. There ain't no fibbing. That shit's for real. Walked up in the motherfucking hotel. It was the motel roach, nigga, for real. 
I got my room switched out. That was a wrap. And it's not like I was staying in the flop house. I was in the Hilton. Shit was just nasty, cuz. You know, you try to get a good night's rest, and you gotta worry about motherfucking bugs crawling up your ass and shit. It's like, that's no good. Speaking of getting a good night's rest, check out this episode I did on that very subject. This is the Neezy Please Show, episode 17. Let's take a listen. So by the time I had my sleep inertia properly self-diagnosed, I'd already lived a good quarter of my life straight up, tripping on the break of dawn. I hated school, then I hated my day job, which in turn conditioned my resentment of the rising day. Nigga, fuck daytime. That's right, I didn't even like the morning. Unless I stayed my ass up all night and watched the sunrise, I was like, nigga, fuck the AM hours, kid. A musician's morning, thank you. Otherwise, I was resenting even the birds when they start chirping in the morning. Be there sitting, playing a game or some shit. Chirp, 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 chirp. I'm like, you fucking birds. With your incessant chirping. Why don't you just go away? Because I knew that that meant the sun was coming up and the new day was coming. And I was still up. Oh, shit. I also lie to myself when I'm waking up. You know, I'll tell myself it's still nighttime, or I got like one more hour. I'll thoroughly convince myself that it's it's still nighttime. Let's go back to sleep. <laughs> Only to be highly irate upon awakening late for something or other. Where the fuck are my shoes? Yesterday socks. This is terrible. But to reaffirm, my meanness meter used to be off the Richter. In reflection, I had to do some real self-improvement work on myself before I could even begin to change my ways. I mean, I was a real mean old bastard. For no kind of reason. But I'm better now. My name is Neezy Please, and I suffer from sleep inertia. So if you too have a hard time waking your punk ass up for the 93 shot, please allow me to assist you with these pleasy post-awakening sleep inertia. Busting pro tips to get you up and at them with the best of them. Now you too can get up, get, 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 get down with a new outlook on treating the very real phenomena of sleep inertia. All right, please, he's post-awakening sleep inertia. Busting pro tip number one. First, you got to recognize that your ass motherfucking hates waking up. If rising and shining is physically painful for your ass to perform every morning, then odds are you got your ass a wicked case of the sleep inertia. First and foremost, you got to recognize that you have a problem because that shit can fuck up your day, kid. Maybe you should study your own behaviors, you know. And if this ain't you, well, then good for your punk asses, you naturally early rising motherfucking freaks of nature. Shit, so what? But nothing creeps your friendly neighborhood and easy please out more than the threat of some apocalyptic spreading of a viral disease. Check out this episode we did on the Ebola virus here on the Neasy Please Show, episode 18. Let's take a listen. Texas don't even want to be a part of the United States. They're always talking secession. We don't need them. <laughs> well, secessionists, today's your lucky day. Because you are now the proud bearer of the U.S. of A.'s first documented case of the Ebola virus quarantine quadrant. Tell them what they've won, pleasey. You've just won yourselves a day in the life of over 7,000 people who've already been infected with the Ebola hemorrhagic fever. That's right. Texas is now home to this highly infectious viral disease that flaunts an impressive overall mortality rate of about 50 to nothing odds. You heard me right. Once you're infected, nothing but a coin toss is going to determine whether you live or die. You got it? Tell them where they'll be staying, pleasey. They'll be staying their asses right where they're at, in the very same Dallas neighborhood experts are now calling Ground Zero, where up to 100 people have possibly been exposed. U.S. nurses from across America are raising major concerns that they are not trained on how to handle Ebola, and that we are unprepared for an outbreak. 
Plus, because the Ebola virus can be contagious on surfaces for as long as up to a few hours and even a couple of days, depending on the material and exposure to sunlight, and while light may be the best disinfectant, I'm not taking any chances with the information that authorities are providing. That's why I'll be broadcasting all future episodes from the very same artificial environment that I'll be living the rest of my natural-born life from, my very own personal hazmat popomatic biospheric playpen travel pod. But being that we can't all afford the finest in hyper habitations, like yours truly, and given that America has dithered on building the largest bubble dome ever erected, I thought it might be helpful to hit y'all with these pleasy pestilence precautionaries and plague preventative protective pro tips as to help you avoid getting swept up in the thurgic rapture of Armageddon alarmists, who I swear to capital G-O-D really get off while salivating at the opportunity to usher in the second coming of their Yoshua ben Yosef, aka Big Baby Jesus, back onto the theater of the United States of Earth. All right, here we go. Please, these pestilence precautionaries and plague preventative protective pro tip number one. First, we have to stop touching everything, even our faces. That's right. Face touching, done. Because if we're not touching things, we're definitely not coming in contact with other people or the surfaces of objects possibly contaminated with the Ebola virus. And if we do, we definitely are not touching our faces afterwards. But in the event that you do touch your face after coming in contact with the natural world, you may want to consider amputating your head. Just as a precautionary. Speaking of a precautionary, let's roll into Pleasy's Pestilence Precautionaries and Plague Preventative Protective Pro Tip Number 2. All right, next Better be safe than sorry. Why wait until things get contaminated with the Ebola when we can pyrotechnically preempt a possible planetary contamination precautiously today? So from now on, if someone sneezes by the power vested in Pleasy, you now have my pardoning permission to preemptively incinerate them on the spot. I think it's important that we work together on this pro tip here. If you see someone cough, combustible accelerants could help clear up their congestion. Just yesterday, I was in line at the Starbucks, and I overheard people talking about how incinerations are great for sinusitis. That episode was pretty sick. Stick around for more here on the Neasy Please Show. When we return, we are going to wrap up this last 2014th year of the Neasy Please Show with these last few snippets. Keep it locked right here on the Neasy Please Show. We'll be right back. www.pleasy.com Check out my next project, The This or That's, a two-part experimental EP, These and Those, with production by Amadot. These out on iTunes this fall. What you wanna do? Tell me what is your next move Welcome back to the Neasy Please Show. If you didn't know, now you know. This motherfucker is rigged. Let's show how all the strings are attached right here on the Neasy Please Show. This is episode 20. Let's take a listen. Let me start in the same place where I'll end this bit here. See, the system works. Just not for you. Or you. Or the rest of you in the 99%. But it works just fine for the few who are in the 1% who run this motherfucker. Hell yeah! The system is not simply just some random series of probabilistic procedures and principles that blossomed naturally while founded on the resounding notion that all men are created equal, like that idea just sprung forth from some sporadically sourced explosion of epiphanies and social truths, breadcrumb trailing our American founding fathers towards empirical and existential evolutions of order. Nope. The privilege of all that political humanism and 
professorial philosophical preponderance was provided for on the backs of Africans and Indians whose very humanity continued to be dismissed well into the 20th century, in a time when white folks should have known way better. Yes, I'm talking about your grandmas and your granddaddies. They ain't dead yet. They're still here. Shame on them. They didn't do shit to right our country's wrongs. They chose to instead lead with a prevailing superiority complex, reinforced with the aggression of foreign invaders, fueled by the racist rants of arrogant and selfishly entitled faux intellectual revisionists of objectivism, such as Ayn Rand and the like, while classifying indigenous peoples as subhuman. Manifest destiny. Could you imagine if aliens pulled that shit on, say, modern Europe today? I hereby claim this land and all its riches in the name of His Majesty, Space King Joffy Joffa I, and I do so name this settlement Space Joffy Town. Know this, white savages, we come bearing space civilization. Brrr, you look cold. Do try these space blankets infected with space pox. A little space fever ought to warm you right on up. A lot of right-wing executive and passion political economists, executive and pundits, love to name-drop Ayn Rand while throwing down the individualist card, don't tread on me, while hailing Ayn Rand's bigoted economic views as genius and inspirational. They talk about her ideas like, God, finally, someone said it, you know? The current system teaches kids that we should all strive to be good people, finish school, work hard as hell, and you too can get ahead. Furthermore, we're taught that we live in a grand experiment of democratic free market capitalism, but in reality it's a racially charged, biased, and dodgy system designed to benefit those who are able to build themselves into the system. Corporations are people too, my friend, by corporations are people too, my friend, and I am not in any way whatsoever referring to small mom and pop businesses with staff of like six and seven people. I'm not talking about you guys. You're not rich. You're well-to-do, but I'm talking about wealth acquirers. I'm talking about huge corporations, collaboratively calculated and constructed from several corporate-rated investments who can afford to have lawyers conduct all of their affairs while speaking to other lawyers to do the bidding for other lawyers. I'm talking about those guys. Do also keep in mind that once a corporation becomes too big to fail that those few executives who had them become improsecutable. Is that a word? That's right, you know what I mean, like immune to any prosecution. The law ceases to apply to them. That they are totally allowed to steal from the general public en masse, devastating the economy while going completely unpunished because these individuals in economic arms are masters that selling the idea that their corporations are people twos are way too big to fail. And that without their executive oversight as a permanent fixture in our so-called free market, all financial institutions would crumble. So whereas where Wall Street was initially designed and installed to be a service structured to uphold the general public's interests, in reality today it's just a predatory system that the poor now find themselves indebted and beholden to. Damn straight this motherfucker's not an accident. Everything that we're living in is not just chaotic humans. There is clearly a pecking order and these motherfuckers is stingy. They don't want you to have none. Gotta keep it hardcore. Gotta keep it hip-hop. Gotta keep it punk rock. Gotta keep it ill. But most importantly, gotta keep that lightning in the bottle. So please, nobody, don't go running to rub that white genie of artificial intelligence out the lamp of hip-hop quite yet. Let's listen to a snippet from the Neasy Please Show episode 27 for answers on why. So every now and again, I receive the absolute privilege, maybe the only privilege I'll ever know, and I get to do my part by helping to enlighten the general public as to some of the rather incredible scientific feats we've been able to achieve right here from the United States of Earth. And this is one of those opportunities. Welcome to my next segment. Pleased to inform you. But actually this time I'm 
Rather dismayed to inform you. Stephen Hawking's done raised the alarm on humans developing AI, y'all. He said them shits have too much capacity of achieving a technological singularity which result in the AI evolving millions of times faster than we ever would, resulting in quasi-godlike power when compared to us mere godlike humans. And Stephen Hawking ain't the only one concerned with this programmatic quandary of computing consciousness. Enter billionaire CEO of SpaceX and Tesla Motors, Elon Musk, who compared AI literally to the power of summoning a demon. And all those stories of the guy with the pentagram and the holy water who swears that he can control the infernal thing but it doesn't work out usually ends up getting devoured messily. God, these guys talk about artificial intelligence like I talk about white hip-hop. I'm worried about the appropriation singularity. Well, I, for one, am pretty sure that self-aware AI has already been achieved. I mean, how else can you explain Mitt Romney's 2012 campaign run? Corporations are people, too, my friend. Christ, if artificial intelligence is anything like white hip-hop, then maybe we should be worried. Nigga, please, you're so opinionated. Yeah, of course I am. <laughs> I think this was. And when there's skill involved in the game, then, you know, no one can say nothing. And that's just what it is. So, game meets game. All's fair in love, art, and war. This here is the final snippet of this 2014th year of the Neasy Please Show. Check it out, Nikki Ma 999 episode 23. Those of you in the world of entertainment may also know me as, well, fuck, niggas know me as Neasy Please. Nigga, welcome to my next segment. Please tell me that's not for real. Alright, so Nicki Minaj just dropped a new abhorrently Nazi propaganda-laced lyric video alongside fellow artists Drake, Lil Wayne, and Chris Brown. I found these images calculatingly provocative, and they definitely and dangerously skirt the edge along lines of evoking images of true evil by glorifying terrifyingly familiar Third Reich iconography. Was it tasteful? Hell nah, Nicki. Was it polite? Hell nah, Nicki. Damn. Was it hard to the motherfucking core? Hell yes, Nikki, it was. I gotta say that while I knew the images being projected were very questionable, I am also an artist, and I know art when I see it, and the irony, the satire, and the messaging is very high throughout this lyric video. I mean, after all, Shark Island's concentration camp in Namibia was most definitely inspiration and a precursor to the Holocaust, and after all, Nazis hated niggas and Jews, and after all, Drake is half a nigga and half a Jew, so what would piss Nazis off more than a half nigga a half Jew appropriating their symbols and regalia and Afropunk rocking that shit the fuck out to the beat? Nothing would piss Nazis off more, that's what. And I also felt that the concept art for this lyric video borrowed heavily from the art featured in Metal Metalocalypse, for which I am a fan and for which I might also note is a production that equally invokes controversial imagery. I also noticed that no one got their panties in a twist when a bunch of animated white boys did it, but everyone got their knickers in a tizzy over seeing black people parodying these ideas. Art can be radically satirical. So I said, go on, Nikki. Looking like the Baroness from G.I. Joe. I know art pushing boundaries when I see it. It's not up to the general public to censor tastes. If you don't like seeing that shit or hearing me defend art, then I'll tell you what, you don't even gotta watch that pesky lyric video. And you can turn this motherfucking podcast off as well. Like now. Fuck censorship. And that's the Neasy Please Show for now. For 2014, I want to thank all of our listeners for kicking it with us this year. Thanks for all the love. Thanks for all the feedback. Thanks for all the support. About to blow these motherfucking doors down in 2015. Holler back at your boy, Neasy, please. You know where to do it at. Ra ra ra. www.pleazie.com. That's www.pleazie.com. I hope you guys have a safe New Year's 2015. Let's do it. Nothing but fun. We shall return. 
You are now listening to the smooth sounds of Neasy Please's Killer Cops as we segue on out of here. We'll see you next week with more music, politics, and that old bullshit ahead. As always, I'm Neasy Please, and I'm wishing you love, peace, and the pursuit of happiness. I kid you not, city stories ain't fiction. Post blast on niggas with zero inhibition. Full of holes, agonized, like I got. Pop, pop, got another nigga drop. Nigga get candy, even walk, cause they think I'm shoplifting. Then blame it on me, like I ought not a conniption. Said I stole, I get mad. Blow my top, get shot. Put some Skittles in the pop, a frivolous up the thigh. Have some mind, then they flip it. Crackers act surprised, like why you guys always tripping? Rock the boat, tear gas, make it hot. Chop a spotlight, humming while the tops keep coming. Set it off, deep cut in the block. Nigga, no, stop running, let these posts know we coming. Nigga, no, your life's not for naught. Fuck flash grenades, stunnings, and pepper spray stunnings. Punk ass, popo, tricky cops. It's LOB, shut them down, padlocks. Now let's have that lock. Killer cops come a dime a dozen. They get away with murder and criminal conundrums, and they fuck it up for the ones among them. If you good, you know would hold the law above them. They join SWAT like warlocks, join covens. Warrants out for failures to appear at the summons, then they tell the jury that you move too sudden. Make you out as the thug said you was when you wasn't. Can't pay the dime, the fine is just too handsome. Bobby niggas find your crime is for ransom. Lines decline, undermined and then some Niggas pay the time we financially hamstrung Not the cops, then you must be against them Legal stops and searches of the symptoms Seizing cash out your pockets like you owe them some income And you can't do shit to stop it, you lose some, they win some Daggum gum shoe, don't escalate, don't electrocute Hands up, don't shoot, I'm not the one to execute Daggum red rum gum shoe, don't escalate it, don't electrocute me I'm not the one to be executing G. Here go, no justice, no peace is the anthem. I seen them yesterday, now the thing is a phantom. Ooh, temper, temper, my tantrum. Bitch, hell no, you may not enter my center, my sanctum. Cause I'm punk rock, I'm an anarchist, I'm a sunspot, a criminal that's Antagonist, I'm sort of hip hop. Light up the tinder box, blow. Send the blocks to bits when five old tabletops turn. Niggas, nitroglycerin, listen. Stack gum, gum shoe. Don't escalate, don't electrocute. Hands up, 